You know, and one of the things that we saw was that with all the people bringing chaplains with them, it's a very expensive proposition. It's very involved, and you need translation. But we thought, you know, we have students, graduates in many countries around the world, and emergencies, disasters, wars, they're not going away. What if we could, like, even just through our networks, begin to ramp up chaplains, more and more certified organizational chaplains? And basically, we're certified to commission because of our status in the state of Indiana and because our education is, is accredited through the federal government. We're able to offer passports to people around the world that their governments will respect the authorization that they have. We have an international commissioning board that has 10 different countries represented and five different denominational backgrounds. Welcome to the Let's Go 360 podcast. I'm Larry Fraley, your host, and I'll be bringing you conversations with outstanding mission-minded leaders with the aim of helping you develop your own spiritual life by understanding what God is doing through our guests' lives as we learn about their ministries and what God has called them to do. Well, greetings, everyone. I'm Larry Fraley, your Let's Go 360 podcast host. First of all, thank you for supporting Let's Go 360 with your positive ratings, kind comments, and and referrals to your friends. Let's Go 360 is part of Christ's Church of the Valley here in the greater Phoenix, Arizona area. Throughout the valley, CCV has 15 campuses where children may enjoy interactive activities that strengthen their faith, where students can learn how to be Christ-centered change agents. Regardless of where you're at in your own personal walk, adults young and old will discover a place in which they can grow and feel at home. And I have the honor today of interviewing my good friend, Tony Twist. Tony and I have uh, had a long-time relationship. He is the president CEO of TCM. He grew up in Dallas, Texas, Alice Springs, and uh, new territory there in, in Australia. His formal education includes Millican College, Emmanuel Christian Seminary, and Southern Baptist Seminary, along with Indiana University. And so he's married to Suzanne and uh, from Virginia, and both uh, Tony and Suzanne served in churches across Virginia, Tennessee, Indiana, with a primary focus on disciple-making. And ever since I have known Tony, this has been a passion of his. It still is a passion of his, and um, God is using him through TCM to actually do that. He's currently serving as the president and chief executive officer of TCM Institute, a global graduate school for disciple-makers that's based in Indianapolis, but actually has uh, students all over the world. Now, I have to disclose that I am a graduate of TCM. It was uh, four years of going through this master's degree program in theology and and, uh, leadership, and uh, it clearly changed my life. And so, uh, I know of what I'm talking about when I talk about TCM because I've been there and have experienced this amazing, uh, high-quality education. Well, let's get on with, with Tony, and we want to hear what he's been up to and what TCM is doing. Tony, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Larry. Good to be with you. Now, you're still focused with that vision of taking uh, the gospel to every nation, making sure that they have effective leadership in disciple-making movements and impacting their churches and cultures and uh, countries for Christ. Now, there's a lot's happened since we've talked the last. Uh, um, the war in Ukraine has obviously happened, and um, that's impacted your the school and, and the students there. Um, tell us a little bit what's going on now with TCM. Well, the war in Ukraine, uh, of course, it it caught everybody a little off guard. Uh, we weren't expecting that that uh, that the Russians would actually go in. And interestingly, we had we had set a meeting for two years prior to meet at our campus in Austria at House Edelweiss. Uh, all of our regional reps from around the world, we have 26 centers around the world, and we had set this up. And we were together the day the invasion happened uh, by God's providence. So we were able to immediately just – everybody knew the world had just changed. And so we put together prayerfully and in consult consultation with people back in various countries – a project which we called HELP, uh, Humanitarian Assistance, Evangelism, and Disciple-Making Training, Logistical Networking, Prayer and Fasting, and <clears throat> trying to get everybody that we could involved in that. Uh, what we eventually did was the we wanted it all to help with uh, blessing the Bride of Christ. We wanted to see God glorified in this some way, so we put together what became a project for what was called Safe Nights, mm -hmm. mainly for vulnerable people. Uh, a lot of traffickers were ready for these moms and kids when they came across the border, and they would uh, get into an official-looking van, and then they were just gone. And so how could we provide Safe Nights? So we, uh, in all of our networks in the surrounding countries, as well as Ukraine, we put together in churches and camps, uh, gymnasiums, a soccer arena, I mean, anywhere we could so that we could provide safe nights for these people, um, especially for moms as they had to go register with the officials and they needed somebody to watch their kids that they could trust and and not wind up getting trafficked or, or something like that happening. And so to date, uh, our, in our networks, there have been about 400,000 safe nights that have been provided. That's amazing. Now, earlier we talked a little bit about this uh, this idea of 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 chaplaincy and and establishing chaps, chaplains um you know that that word is is got some some bit of of feeling that there's that the, a chaplain is safe is that what you found happening in in ukraine yeah larry there were you know when we saw a lot of the people coming from the west uh bringing aid with them they also brought chaplains and we also saw that our students, before the war started, we had 550 students between just Russia and Ukraine, just those two countries. Mm -hmm. And many of them began were just pulled into chaplaincy when they were commissioned into the service because they would take a look at them and say, oh, my goodness, you have this training, you're a chaplain. Mm -hmm. And many of them were quite successful and raising the morale of the, of the students yeah. that they were serving. Well, we see it in our in our military today, in the U.S. military. Right. There's, there's chaplains. Uh, even right. when I was in the service, 
uh, I, I can remember going through some struggles during the Vietnam era while I was at uh, Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. And it was, uh, oh, you, you should see one of our chaplains. And uh, so it's, the chaplains have been around a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we've had graduates go on, like in NATO. To, in fact, we had one uh, in the country of Estonia who, when he finished his MDiv with us, they gave him a pay raise and a promotion because they say, well, the Americans, you know, you have to have an MDiv to be a chaplain. You haven't had one, but now that you've got it, well, we didn't even see that coming. Mm-hmm. And, of course, hospital chaplaincy well is well known, but something that's newer is organizational chaplaincy. Oh. Uh, businesses, uh, uh, fire departments, police departments. Uh, what, what would be an example of a, of a business that has a – how would you say a chaplain program or chaplains on staff? Well, I know that like Tyson Foods has Mm -hmm. several hundred on payroll and this is, this is becoming more and more popular, especially if you've got business owners who are believers Mm -hmm. and what they found is it actually improves the bottom line. Uh, The morale goes up Uh, in talking with the military chaplains as we were preparing to develop uh, our own organizational chaplaincy program. uh, Somebody who gets to the rank of captain in the mm-hmm. military, the military's got about a million and a half bucks invested in that person. Um, I'm sorry, an officer. Got it. An uh-huh. officer. An officer. Uh-huh. Now, if a chaplain just saved one officer from suicide yeah. or from harming himself in yeah. some way or self-destructing in some way, uh, he's saving the military you know, a million and a half bucks. So they get it too. You know, The bottom line of the value of chaplaincy, right now the military's adding chaplains. Just, just like the businesses, it, it's it's a good investment. So I suppose the, because the 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 name or designation of chaplaincy carries weight with someone doesn't necessarily mean that they've been trained and certified as a chaplain, right? And so it's sort of like, well, if that's the case, why don't we? Why don't just every believer call themselves a chaplain, and you know, and we're 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 good, right? So, but, but the problem with that is, if everybody's a chaplain, then no one's a chaplain, right? So, so what what kind of uh, training does one need, or what are you thinking in terms of putting in place some sort of credentialing? Well, uh, we already have been doing mm-hmm. a lot of that, you mm-hmm. know, because we have a concentration in pastoral sure. counseling, yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they were just readily accepted. So, so what you're saying, in in some sense, a lot of pastors today who have already gone through some formal training, you know, most of them take classes that deal with pastoral counseling mm-hmm. and some of that. So mm-hmm. many of the formally trained pastors that we have on staff or in our churches today already have some of that training. Yes. Yeah. yeah there a lot of uh, a lot of overlap with skill sets, training. Obviously, you need biblical knowledge. Uh, you need some theological knowledge. But your focus is different. It isn't a local congregation as such. It may be an organization or uh, such as the military or a business or even not-for-profits. Um, and you're, you need to, to be able to like step into a crisis or an emergency situation. Which needs training. Which needs yeah. some, mm-hmm. you know, you show up and people are saying, uh, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Well, you need to have a, enough awareness to be able to step into that situation with the confidence to be a, a sane, calm voice in the midst of an emergency or a crisis or a war. 
you know, I have to kind of interject this at this time. I um, just finished doing a podcast with Salim Hanna in Israel, actually on location and right uh, outside the Gaza Strip there. And uh, one of the things that uh, when I asked him, well, what is it that you need, uh, Salim? How can the U.S. church come get behind you? And what is it that you need the most? And his answer surprised me. He, he basically said, Larry, we don't, we don't have formal training in how to deal with the, what we're going through now. And I go, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute. Uh, Israel has been attacked for years. You deal with, you know, missile attacks here and there. He goes, this is entirely different. Yeah. Um, there's not a member in our church that has not been affected by this war that doesn't know one, some, someone that has been killed or at minimal have a family member uh, son, daughter, nephew in this, the in the IDF Israeli mm-hmm. military right now, and he said we don't have any training on how to deal with even the simple thing is disaster. Well, it's not simple, but even disaster mm-hmm. recovery, mm-hmm. we don't know how to deal with uh, counseling and coming alongside people from a really deep pastoral care. He said that's what we really need right now. So the the need is there for sure. Um, yeah, and one of the things that we saw was that that with all the people bringing chaplains with them, mm-hmm. it's a very expensive proposition. It's very in, involved, and you need translation. But we thought, you know, we have these we have students, graduates in many countries around the world, and emergencies, disasters, wars they're, they're not going away. What if we could, like, even just through our networks, begin to ramp up? Chaplains, more and more certified organizational chaplains. And basically, we're certified to commission uh, because of our status in the state of Indiana and because our education is is accredited through the federal government. Uh, We have higher education status through the Higher Learning Commission. Mm -hmm. We're we're able to offer passports to people around the world that their governments – Mm-hmm. will respect their, the authorization that they have. It's state authorization. Mm-hmm. So that gives them a way of coming into a situation, a passport to get into a situation. We just need to, to like ramp up some specialized training for emergencies, disasters, uh, dealing with crisis situation, uh, counseling in areas that they may need it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say, in order to be – actually certified as a chaplain, uh, an organization needs to have some some qualifications. And uh, I think earlier we talked about, uh, let's say, the four four things I think we mentioned. What are, what are those four things as, a, as an organization that you need to be able to do that? Well, the, the, the pieces to this would be there's some kind of certification. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, depending on where you're going, hospitals might be a master's in counseling. Or, I see. Or an MDiv, the military would require. Mm-hmm. Other organizations, there really aren't standard. There kind of are. I mean, you can kind yeah. of set them for your own organization mm-hmm. or whatever. And there are some organizations uh, now doing this, and some schools that are are ramping up. But what we did was we did a study of best practice across all of those, uh-huh. and <clears throat> tried to write up uh, qualification standards for organizational chaplains. And so the the pieces for this would be there's the credentialing piece for whatever you're going into. We offer a certificate, an MA, and an MDiv. And then there is the qualification. Do you meet a certain set of standards, which leads to commissioning? 
by a commissioning board. And uh-huh. we, have a, we have an international commissioning board that has 10 different countries represented and five different denominational backgrounds represented. And then there's the ongoing uh, connecting, networking, um, profes- ongoing professional development, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, those sorts of things. And so we actually, when we got to looking at it, we had all four pieces in place. And when we approached our creditor about offering a chaplaincy certificate, they actually approved our request in a week wow. because we already had all the pieces in place. Right. We just never had thought of putting them together right. in this way. I guess, you know, my mind kind of goes to, you know, how are we in the American church going to to really reach America, who is is on this downward trend? You know, the, the whole notion of chaplaincy might be a, potentially a strategy that uh, the church should look at. Uh, it's, it's much safer to, um, to be a chaplain in today's uh, culture and world than it is to be, you know, someone who is kind of known as a pastor and a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a right-wing Christian yeah, or exactly. whatever you want to call it, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're somewhat, but the, the whole idea of a chaplain is a little safer because, uh, it hasn't been vilified uh, no, the no, way the and, other has been. No, and it doesn't have, uh, you know, as, as threatening, I guess, to some people as, as, say, maybe the church is, or at least their experience with the church. Um, well, that's great. That's great, Tony. And I'm, I, I pray that um, that uh, this whole effort in this area, God just blesses and it and it takes off. Well, now, we've, just, we've just beta tested it, uh-huh. and, and we've uh, commissioned our first 13 organizational chaplains we have a, a second group coming through it. We're trying to get it uh, – before we roll it out more, uh, we're trying to make sure we get our systems in place and, and all of that. Yeah. Well, let's change direction a little bit here. Um, I want to encourage those to uh, look back on our previous episode in Season 1 with with uh, with Tony to uh, listen to all that TCM is involved in and what they stand for. I really want to – uh, today, focus on those things within TCM that we would like to hear more about. Um, if you want to listen to the previous episode, it's actually in season one, episode 20, that you can actually hear about uh, TCM at more of the global level. But um, Tony, you have some initiatives going on right now, and, and one of those initiatives is the Every Nation mm-hmm. initiative. Can you can you talk to us about that? Yeah, Uh Coming through the pandemic, because, uh, you know, we have students from about 45 countries, mm-hmm. um, and um, when the pandemic hit, we thought, oh my goodness, it's going to shut us down, because right. we always meet hybrid. We, we we do a lot of the trainings online, but we all, the sweet spot is the face-to-face, because that's where the, the, high, the high tech can do online, but not the high touch. Uh-huh. And if you're serious about disciple making, you need you need proximity. You need to, Jesus lived with his disciples. There's got to be some way to do that. Mm-hmm. That went away in the pandemic. But what was interesting was everybody kind of like adjusted to that, yeah, and became comfortable with praying online and meeting online. It was kind of like a little culture shift globally. Yeah. During those two years, we grew by twenty five percent in terms of our our enrollment. Uh, part of that was because the people recruiting other people 
had the high touch experience with TCM, so it kind of it kind of helped with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Larry, I I uh, the realization hit me uh, as we were kind of uh, coming into a new phase of the of the war mm-hmm. and dealing with that. It hit me that not only are we not going back in terms of like the configuration of Europe and all of that, we're not going back to anything. We can only go forward. And that means that we're having to look at all of our delivery systems. We're having to look at all of our student support systems. We're looking at all of our, the way we handle our ministry services. We're having to relook at everything and recalibrate everything mm-hmm. again. <laughs> well, yeah, everything has changed so much. It's, I mean, COVID caused a lot of that or caused us to at least relook at some of that for sure. Yes. But um, the world is changing and education itself is changing. I mean, yes. Um, yeah. the, you know, we talked a little bit um, before the podcast about this whole notion of micro credentialing. I, I honestly had not heard that term before. Now mm-hmm. I've probably been too busy doing other things. What is micro credentialing? It's basically, it's all over the place, mm-hmm. business industry, mm-hmm. everywhere. It's as simple as getting your Microsoft certification mm-hmm. or going on YouTube and saying, I need to figure out X, Y, or Z by next week for my business. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? And you find some training and they give you a little certificate of completion or something like that. Yeah. So it it's really the wild west. It's kind of all over the place right now. In higher education, they're actually pushing the educational organizations to embrace micro-credentialing hmm. uh, because they realize that if you don't, uh, you know, YouTube University may put you out of business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they're developing the standards for that. So we've been looking at this for about a year and a half. Yeah. And we're to the place where we're getting ready to, to move into micro-credentialing. Uh-huh. And what that means is – Let's say you've got, for us, what it means is you've got a course in, say, disciple making or Old Testament or New Testament, things that chaplains might need or our other students might need, but you've got people that are living uh, in refugee camps or or people that are just really, really busy, and they're saying, let's say you've divided a course up into four or five pieces, Mm -hmm. little chunks, and with distinct learning in each of those and you offer it as a micro credential with a certificate of completion and the 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 people for would be either personal development mm-hmm. professional development or continuing education yeah yeah and then you bundle those and they're stackable mm-hmm. so rather than saying look you need to sign up for this course here's what's involved yeah. 135 hours of work and all that you say no, this chunk of it you could do independently. And if that's all you need, that's all you have to do. So maybe it's 20, 25 hours of work, but it gives you certain kinds of outcomes and skill yeah. sets that are a part of a, of a broader course, which is a part of a, yeah. you know, that. And the nice thing about being an educational provider and doing this by standards that are provided by the accreditor, it comes under our crediting. And so when it's stacked and bundled, all of that fits. Mm-hmm. And this is part of trying to serve the world in which we're we're in right now. People just need maybe some specific kinds of training and maybe that's all they want. Well, I've I've actually seen it and didn't realize what I was 
seeing. I know several young people, uh, one of them's in my family, who did not go through a formal education program through a university uh, in information technology in, in IT. He took it upon himself to kind of learn C++, yes. right? Because he was interested in it and mm -hmm. uh, spent time with it, mm -hmm. got good at it, mm -hmm. and uh, ended up getting a, a job ahead of the ones that have gone to college and got their formal degree because he was very specialized in this particular area that that company, that's all they wanted. They needed a C++ programmer. They didn't need, you know, a programmer in building architects or servers or something like that. So to hear that this is becoming uh, uh, some sort of standards put in place even uh, makes this more of perhaps the future of, of education. Yeah, and as we've looked at like what we've lessons learned from the pandemic, changes we've had to make, uh, uh, the war, and wars aren't going away, you know, there's Israel now and and it it's not gonna it's not gonna go away. So as we've looked at all that, we've realized that anticipating the future, we've got to recalibrate, and that's where these initiatives have come. We're gonna need to uh to hire uh people with skill sets that we've never maybe we've never had in quite mm -hmm. that way before. So that's why we've launched this uh, Every Nation initiative. So we can deepen and widen at the same time, but in new and different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, you know, right now we're trying to raise about $6 million mm -hmm. so that we can, over the next couple of years, move that forward as quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you for joining us today. And, and uh, we will include in our show notes, as we always do, the information about, um, our guests, and in this case, tcmi.org is the place to go where you can learn more about TCM. You can particularly go to the uh, resources section there and uh, be sure and check out the TCM report that shows all of the different initiatives and things that has been going on. But any place throughout the website, you can learn more about TCM. And oh, by the way, I think uh, I forgot to mention CCV is a proud supporter of TCM, so much so that we make multiple trips there sometimes per year. CCV folks get a chance to go to uh, Austria, uh, House Eidovice there, and actually meet the students that are enrolled in the program, be able to talk with them, learn from them, share in some of their experiences, which uh, is quite amazing to hear some of these pastors and how they're persecuted and some of them physically for their faith, but be able to, to, to you know, talk and interact with them and see firsthand. It's, it is clearly a trip that is one of our highlight trips. It fills up very quickly every time we put a trip up. So check that out on our missions page at ccv.church. But check out tcmi.org. There's a place there you can participate in the um, Every Nation uh, program if you, if you so choose. Uh, CCV has never tried to discourage you from supporting one of our mission partners in, in terms of giving to our church. Uh, we know that each of you have places in your heart that you feel led to, to support, and so um, please check that out. Well, Tony, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you, Larry. As we leave here today, how can, how can our church pray for you? Wisdom, strength, and faithfulness. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Let's Go 360 podcast. 
sponsored by Christ Church of the Valley. Check out CCV at ccv.church and our missions activity at ccv.church missions, where we are trying to fulfill the Great Commission, inspired by the Great Commandments.